You are listening to an Elegant Weapon Podcast. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer. And you don't want no part of this shit. Hi, this is Ray Park. I play Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace. And you're listening to an Elegant Weapon Podcast. Check it out. Listen. Make sure the force is strong. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. gentlemen welcome to an elegant weapon episode 116 it's our annual fan expo canada extravaganza i'm your host my name is jay the jedi ross please excuse me while i light my spleef i want you to take the frankenstein shit the deer shit the green monster the bling and the bling bling and i want you to roll it all into one joint no one's ever been brave enough to try that one man is roll it Oh, yeah. Another fantastic weekend at Fan Expo Canada 2014. Always a foot-destroying adventure for all. My puppies hurt on this one, kids. Let's start from the beginning. Thursday. Thursday morning. I met up with a good friend of mine, Anthony Rutgazer, writer of the first hero comic book from Action Lab. Because I was privileged enough to be his guest for Fan Expo. It was a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. When you're a guest and you go out and smoke, you go back in right away, no lines. Oh, so gracious of Anthony to allow me to be his guest. So uh, we met up and we did that. We got some grub, we got some pints, waited for the show to begin. Then the show began. Layout was absolutely excellent this year. As we were talking about on earlier episodes, Fan Expo forgoed, forgoed, forgotten, forgoden, forgotten to golden gut. There was no sports expo this year, which made for much more practical use of uh, certain spatial areas. Uh, lineups, there was basically three. And things were actually so well ran to this uh, this year that there was a point where they opened smaller exits uh, to let people in and out, uh, like new guest exits and re-entry points. And normally things aren't smooth enough for these re-entry points to be laid out that way. Those are the very doors that the fire marshal locked not a few years ago. And uh, 
<clears throat> yeah, just just great. Uh, my before anything, I have to give kudos and uh, shout outs to the crew and organizers of Fan Expo this year. Thank you for yet another fantastic uh, celebration of all the things that uh, we love and take us away from our mega lives. So I got to shack up in Artist Alley uh, at P one oh six. With uh, three fantastic fellows. Those fellows were Anthony Reckazer, of course. Uh, the other fellow was Mr. Lee Moder. And the third fellow was Mr. Jamal Eigel. Uh, they've all done their own various things here and there. But uh, they were together in this conjuncture for the fact that at this moment they are all Action Lab artists uh, who have contributed to Anthony's The First Hero. Uh, each of them having done variant covers for the book, uh, as well as a third, or sorry, fourth cover with uh, from Philip Seedy, who did the art inside. Uh, it's a great book, did great, people bought it, people enjoyed it, it was good times. <clears throat> Lee Motor was there, uh, he's pushing Shinku right now, which is his vampire uh, samurai book. And Jamal Eigel is pushing uh, the usual goodness that is Molly Danger. So, uh, yeah, it was really good times. Um, The show started out pretty damn busy on the Thursday. But, of course, I did my initial reconnaissance, went around, found out who was where, said my hellos to all our favorites, and, uh, you know, introduced myself to a few new people that I found around with uh, really interesting endeavors and such. So uh, that's kind of how it went. And, uh, you know, how the Thursday is, is get set up, get situated, get everything together, do your reconnaissance. And it was still quite, quite busy for a Thursday afternoon, uh, as you uh, will hear as I hang out with uh, Mr. Lee Moder. Day one of Fan Expo and Lee Motor and I already feel fading. <laughs> <laughs> this is insane. It's Thursday afternoon and it's fucking packed. Yeah. It's I didn't expect this much traffic today. No, no. Aren't people working? Sorry? Aren't people working? People are working. <laughs> work. They're working the boots. <laughs> They're working the nerves. <clears throat> what are you drawing right now? Oh, I'm doing the uh, cover for, well, the A cover for uh, issue one of Pulp Hero, the book that uh, Anthony Ruckeyser and I are, are working on together. That's fun. Yeah. I just sold a copy of his book. Someone bought the variant. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so it's good times. <laughs> so uh, we were talking earlier, you got your start on Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, you did the cover for the first hero. Yeah. Um... Shinku. Yes, sir. Tell us a little bit about Shinku. Shinku is uh, uh, the book that uh, Ron Mars uh, cooked up uh, a few years ago, and he said, hey, uh, I got this idea about uh, Japanese samurais and vampires going at it. Uh, Would you like to do the art for it? And I said, hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like it it tickled two of my... uh, my favorite spots, which is, uh, which are, uh, uh, I, lo- I love Japan. Uh, I, I ha- I've never had a chance to draw anything that took place in Japan. Uh, it, it's both takes place both in modern and uh, modern times, modern 
uh, Tokyo, and uh, and uh, there are some flashbacks to like Edo period uh, Tokyo. Oh, yeah. uh, so it's a lot of research, which is another thing I love to do. That's fun. And it's uh, fun and bloody. Uh, a lot of action. And, There's uh, no way that these people can hear you over the <laughs> voice that is Anthony Rudgazer. Yeah. That's <laughs> alright. Yeah, I love history, man. Japanese history is gorgeous too. You yeah. Know? It's such a different like way things were done yeah. in Asia. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even when you see like their own movies mm -hmm. about their past, mm -hmm. it's, you know. The morals are different. Like yeah. the moral of the story is always a little twist to it. They're, yeah, you know we don't quite fall in line with. Yeah, but yeah, that's neat. So now, yeah. is it like, what's the deal? Is it were they samurai who got infected, or is it another planet? It, it, what's the deal? Uh, so far, it, it's just uh, 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 there's this one daimyo who is a vampire, and he's coalesces his army about him and he goes out to wipe out all the other uh, uh, clans and uh, Shinku is the last of the last slayer of the clan that this daimyo wiped out uh, years ago okay and so she's taken it upon herself to uh, do everything she can to, to kill all the bloodsuckers in modern Japan Nice. Yeah. So there are humans as well as oh, the yeah. vampires. Yeah. Well, they got to eat something, I guess. Right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, our, our character who's the audience's way into the story is a young American who's a uh, hematologist, and Shinku enlists his aid to figure out the, the vampire's blood and how to destroy them. Okay. Yeah. I got you. That's neat. Oh, Anthony's hugging his mama goodbye. <laughs> Riddle me this. What do you call a sleeping bull? Answer. A bulldozer. <laughs> and that's how that went down, and that was very good times indeed. Thursday night, I made my way back home, uh, or I chilled out at home and rested for the next day, which is going to be a big old deal, because uh, Friday, and a big boom-bam. So Friday began, and went nuts, and a lot of people showed up. An insane amount of people showed up. But uh, I got around, I enjoyed the day, uh, I did a lot of just hanging out, you know? Um, panels were nuts, as usual, if you wanted to see the big ones, uh, they were just insane. But uh, I believe on Friday or Saturday morning, might have been, you'll have to forgive, chronology won't mean anything on this show, on this episode. I'm try I Basically, I'm trying to keep the days together, but it was one just big giant blur. So Friday, a lot of uh, just meeting new people, getting to, uh, without actually interviewing or talking to anybody yet, but... Uh, you know, getting to meet the guys from Action Lab and, uh, you know, the guys down from Michigan. Uh, and speaking of Michigan, all day was being uh, flooded with updates of the fact that very special guests were on their way up to the D-Dot, T-Dot, the D-Dot, the T-D-T, the T-Dot, the T-Dot, the Toronto area. We're coming up to uh, enjoy Fan Expo. They were only going to come for Saturday, but they were coming up Friday, and they were going to get there early enough that uh, our good friends Kevin 
and Derek of Drunk on Comics. They made it up here with their good friend Mel, and uh, they got up maybe about 4 o'clock or so. So I actually ditched out of Fan Expo a little bit early on Friday. But, uh, you know, I met a huge amount of people who I was able to line up other points in the weekend to celebrate and chat with, and you'll get to hear that as well. So there I was, uh, met up with the guys, showed them a little bit around uh, the Toronto area, CN Tower, Metro Toronto Convention Center, and uh, then we just kind of got situated. Then we went to uh, Hoops. We returned to Hoops. And believe it or not, Zoe, uh, who... You know, just uh, by coincidence, happens to look just like Zoe Saldana, and that's her name, and her name is Zoe. It's crazy, but uh, and she remembered me. She's so sweet. She's a sweetheart, as you will hear, as me and Kevin and Derek and uh, Mel and uh, the Drunk on Comics crew, we go for a burger and a pint at Hoops, and this is what occurred. <laughs> Okay, All right, so, so, so a town and country is a type of car. No, sun country, not town and country. Right. Sun country, back in the day, back when I was like in high school, now, and I'm the resident old fucker here, we all know this, but sun country was like the Bartles and James, and what were, what were the other ones that you mentioned? Seager, well, Seager, okay, yeah. the Bartles and James was the big one. Okay, but this was... This was these were sold in two and three liter bottles only. Like a white wine spritzer? Or? No, it was terrible wine. It was it was fizzy alcohol. Arbor mist with the twist. What is this you're talking about? Sun Country. It was a, it was familiar. It was it was a two liter and sometimes a three liter of wine coolers. So it looked like like your Mountain Dew or your Coke or your Pepsi. Yeah, yeah. But there was booze in it. Wait, wait, wait. Someone actually packaged booze in a, like a two liter? Yeah, and you bought it at Meyer just like everything else. That's why I wanted to... To give you a little bit of context, kids, Drunk on Comics is in Toronto. It's day two, Fan Expo, clickety clink, little bit, Kevin, Derek, Melissa, and Mel. Who won't talk to Melissa, what are you She'll tell, drink, though. What She'll are you drinking? Right what are you drinking? It's day Lock two. Cranberry. End of Lock the day. Cranberry. Another fantastic day. Beautiful day. You've already heard all about it. We're at Hoops, kids, for our third annual Fan Expo adventure. Uh, that's right. Three years solid. We've been coming to this restaurant, Hoops. Anybody who's heard in the past will remember Hoops. And uh, we're enjoying a, a picture of Creamore. More, more impressive is that even people that haven't heard this remember you, like our waitress. Yes. The, oh, no. Okay. Zoe so Saldana hey. has been our waitress for, like, the last two years, and she remembered me. It's very cute. Ah, you left a quite an impression. Yeah, we tend to do that. Now the music just got really loud, and even Zoe's feeling it. It's like, oh, my God. Put the fingers in the air. Uh, much, Thank you. Much better. Thank you. <laughs> Now she, was, she just made that quieter, in fact, Zoe did. Yeah. I, that she just increased her tip. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty nice that she's running the soundboard for us today. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So you guys did have a good drive. The trip was, uh, was pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, up until the construction here in town, but, you know. Uh, I tell you what, man, it was like driving a pillow. <laughs> Honestly, props to uh, our friend Melissa, uh, the silent one. She, she let us uh, use her, her, her Lexus. SUV. I'm at, oh, uh, so which, tra- tra- which, which the car has a name, Phil. Phil. For, 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 for Agent Coulson. Oh, very nice. Very yep. nice. It's got a shield stick. Oh, the side I didn't of it. know there was. I didn't know that was a connection. Cause, you never cause, talked to well, Did you realize that? Well, okay. So now I don't watch the show, but I know. Shall we? Uh, shall we take a break for food? Yes, we're gonna take a break. For food. All right, more to come. All right. After these messages, we'll be right back. Ding. After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah. Toronto Batman. Oh, what's up? Say hello to your friends and fans in Detroit. Oh, hey, Detroit City. What's going on? I like your poverty state because it's filming a movie right there. I'll have to visit you guys soon. Just don't shoot me. Thank you. Detail. <laughs> okay, so I'm fucking, I'm hauling ass, and I'm by myself. My partner canceled last minute. Checking all the pictures so far. Wait, am I keeping hitting some uh, some uh, rust? Yeah. And then I sit on my balls. <laughs> I've never sat on my balls before. I'm like, oh my god, now I know what they're talking about. <laughs> so, <coughs> and you, and, and Why I, are you not recording this? I am. Well, this and we're two minutes in. And, <laughs> but I had a beer or two, and I thought that thing was like a fucking like a zip like a zip line back for your balls. <laughs> Because, you know, they're normally supposed to dangle, but then you're like, I had a, sh- so I had a shanty, and that's what usually happens. Wow. They, they pull back into me. Wow. They, like, reacted like a tortoise? Like, they were like, well, well that's what normally supposed to happen, so that's doubly surprising about me falling on my balls. Because <laughs> I wasn't expecting low-hanging fruits. Well, because you're, like, nine feet tall, there's extra gravity working I just, I just, I just have, have, have the, the, the visual of... What, those little bouncy ball things that used to bounce <laughs> jump out of here again. Oh my gosh, like that South Park episode? Uh, oh yeah! yeah. yeah. Oh my god, yeah, when they used their own testicles? Yeah. yeah. Uh, now I wish I was playing that, you know, remember that music in the, that was going on in the background? When they were, when all the guys in the neighborhood decided to enlarge their yes, balls. Yes, yeah, yeah. Boing, 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 yeah, boing, yeah. boing, boing, something like that. That's what I wish I was playing in, on that golf cart. Do you remember Johnny Dangerously? Yes, Elephantitis of the Balls. Yeah, because yeah, Danny DeVito shows them the film, and they've got like wheelbarrows with their yeah. balls in them. Walking, like, walkers with balls in them. Yeah, so that happened, and we had a good jolly old time. Jolly, jolly, jolly. It's always jolly when those guys are around. Jolly, jolly good times. Jolly good times, governor. Absolutely, sir. It was jolly good times. Jolly good. So, uh, <clears throat> we went out, uh, kind of did a little pub crawl. I took them uh, through the city, and we hit some bars, some classic old pubs, the Black Bull. Uh, you know, went down Queen Street and uh, kind of up. And uh, we got drinks here and there, and we got completely bevied with paints and stuff. Bevies and good good times and such, uh, in, in a in a hazy cloud of goodness all the way down the streets of Toronto. So you know we had a real good time. My feet were done, so we decided to go back to the hotel where we slept, like anticipatory, anticipatory, really. Wow, 
you know, my guy told me this new shit was good, and, you know, it was one of those gooder, gooder choices. And you go with the gooder. Went with the gooder. And now I'm all like, g'day, g'day, g'day. So, anyways, uh, we had a good sleep. We got up bright and early and headed immediately down to the convention center via the TTC. And uh, we went in. And uh, I immediately showed them around the con, gave the guys a tour. Then I took them over to the South Building Artist Alley and showed them where their people were and set them loose. And it was really funny because they're guys from Michigan uh, Jay Jaycott, Jay Foskett, uh, Ted Woods, and Tony Maello, and you'll hear we talked to all these guys. They were directly next door to the Action Lab Boys, which was really super cool. So both our crews were right there, right across the way from Mr. Ken Lashley, who had the most quickest immediate lineup in Artist Alley, hands down. His immediate quick lineup was boom, there. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, I hung out. And Anthony and Lee went and did their thing, and it was just me and Jamal Igel, the incomparable Jamal Igel. What a history this guy's got. Uh, you know, just uh, just a really good story. You want to hear it? Here it goes. Excellent! All right, kids, we're here. We're at home at P106. We are sitting here with Jamal Igel, action lab artist extraordinaire. How's artist you know, and writer. Do you write and I, draw I write and Molly draw, Danger? Yes, I write and draw Molly Danger. Um, tell us a little bit about Molly Danger because this is uh, didn't it win an award or something? Or? It was nominated. We okay. got nominated for a couple of awards. It didn't win, unfortunately. But that's know, all right. That's all it's good. Nominations yeah. are good. What's Nominations the, are good. Yeah. Uh, Molly Danger is a ten-year-old superhero who's been ten years old for the last two decades. So she's smart, strong, brave, and possibly immortal. Okay, so is this this is set on like Earth and everything? It's set on Earth. She's it's, human. She's well, they or, tell her she's an alien. Okay, uh, it's set on Earth. It's set in upstate New in a small city in upstate New York that used to be a industrial town until all the uh, the manufacturing jobs went away. And then once okay. Molly showed up about twenty years ago, they revamped the infrastructure around Molly Danger tourism. So the entire city is pretty much built upon Oops, the. That's okay. <laughs> I'm pretty much built on the idea that they can sell merchandise and everything else based around Molly's uh, fights with the Supermax. Okay. <laughs> so does she know why she's been alive or, or been a little girl? Yeah, for they two they they tell her that she's an alien from a planet called Gamma Seven. And that 20 years ago, her ship that was carrying herself and her family crash-landed on Earth. Everybody else died except for her. And when she awoke from a, coma, a year-long coma, she had these superpowers. Oh. So she was what appeared to be 10 years old when she crashed. Right, and she thing. hasn't aged since. Okay. And this is like, is this like, I don't want to say family-friendly, but... Oh, no, it's extremely family-friendly. Uh, well, I've heard that it's, like, great for, like, your teenage daughters oh, yeah, or young girls to, like... You well, know. My, my whole approach to writing it was to sort of emulate the way uh, old Warner Brothers cartoons were written or okay. old uh, Pixar, car uh -huh. Pixar movies are done where you had a story that could be read on multiple levels okay. so that younger kids wouldn't feel put out but there were enough big words in there for them to want to like look it up in the yeah, dictionary. Adult inside and, stuff. Right, I got right, you. Right. That's smart, man. That's good times. What brought this idea? Where'd this come out? Um, I actually came up with the idea about ten years ago uh, on a drive back with a friend of mine from a convention, 
and we were going to do it as it was originally started out as a pitch for an animated series. Oh, really? Yeah, and we ultimately decided to do it as a comic book because he had a small publishing company. But you know, I started work. I wrote a, uh, an initial script, started working on it, had to stop because paying work was coming in. So we hired okay. another artist, had to stop because we couldn't afford to pay him, and it just sort of sat on the side for a very long time. And then cut to a decade later, and I had just finished my contract with DC Comics and was trying to figure out what to do with myself. And somebody else approached me about doing a project through Kickstarter, and I hadn't heard of Kickstarter at that point. So I looked at the website, I was like, you know what, I've got my own ideas, I've got my, my own projects, I can do this myself. Yeah. So I, I launched a Kickstarter campaign, and was, it was very successful. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I raised $50,000. Really? Yeah. So people were into it, People eh? were very people into were it. it eh? Yeah, yeah. What were you and, doing over at DC? Um, well, I did, I was the artist on Supergirl for two years, I was the artist on Firestorm for two years. Uh, I drew Nightwing. I drew a lot of the uh, the War of the Superman stuff, you know, during that period. So I was there for seven years, just doing various projects. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, you and Lee, you're both into that kind of thing, then with the, yeah. the superheroine. You know, you like drawing the, the super strong ladies and stuff. Uh, right? Yeah, I do. It, it's something I kind of sort of fell into. It, it wasn't something that I automatically decided to go after because for a very long time I don't think I, I don't feel like I drew women very well okay. or my, my women all came off very very masculine <laughs> I you know I okay. you know for me drawing men was easier than trying to draw women right. and I didn't think that's true for a lot of yeah, cartoons that's pretty general yeah. yeah but I think once especially once I started working on Supergirl I started to get a handle on having a better handle on drawing women and it just sort of it went from doing Supergirl for two years and then I drew Zatanna for a while and then a lot okay, of yeah. the, awesome. the, the project that I'm doing for Dark Horse right now which is uh, the Terminator has a female lead. Are you working on this? Yeah I'm doing a, really? yeah, yeah, the uh, Terminator Enemy of My Enemy which wow. is a six I'm finishing up the last issue now and uh, that has a female lead also, but she's more of a <laughs> Linda Hamilton-esque, like big, strong, tough woman. But right, right. but uh, yeah, it just sort of fell into that mold of like drawing, you know, female characters. That's right. And then you just people were just like, "Hey, you're good at this." Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you're pretty good at drawing women. Can you draw this? I was nice, like, yeah, nice. sure, yeah. no problem. So, <laughs> have you officially drawn the bat in a book then? Um, I did. Uh, I did Batman in a, uh, a miniseries called uh, Tangent Superman's Reign for DC. I, I actually did. Yeah, it is because for the longest time I was trying to figure out like what my version of Batman would look like, and especially because there was one issue which was very like it was all about him. So I really got to kind of play with it That's a awesome. little bit more. That must have been All right, let me take it back to the beginning then. Okay. So 
you are based out of where? where did I'm you, in New York. I'm, you're I'm, in New York. Always New York born. I, I am. A, I am one of the few born and raised New Yorkers. All right, man. All right, natural and stuff. <laughs> and you just got into art as a kid, drawing. Yeah, you schooled you, or anything like no, that. No, absolutely. When, my, when I was five, my grandfather took me to see Superman the movie oh, yeah? at the Ziegfeld Theater, <laughs> and I immediately fell in love You're with, like, oh, with superheroes. Yeah, yeah, I became obsessed. And uh, But always went to art school, uh, went to the High School of Art and Design in Manhattan, cool, went to the man. School of Visual Arts for a university, went to the Art Students League, taught at the Art Students League eventually. Really? Yeah. Jesus, so, man. Yeah, so I'm a classically trained illustrator. That's amazing. <laughs> so so do you go to D.C. then, or they come to you? Or I, did you try other stuff out of school? Or? No, I I tried other stuff out of school. I, I worked like, independent very early on. I, I kind of have like a sort of twisted... Like what made you? Was there a book you did or a story you did on something or other that kind of opened the door for you? No, actually, it, it, the door got opened. I did an internship at D.C. Oh, when really? I was in high school. Yeah, in I did high it. school? Yeah, they had a... a New York, yeah, no, seriously. In, uh, in New York, they have this uh, program called City of School where they do internship for high school level internships at different companies. Really? So I did a six month internship in DC's production department. How did not department. every student you were fighting? Because you, you have it, well, especially the, the high school that I went to, which was an art high school, right. and everybody was very yeah. competitive yeah. and er, everything else. And it was one of the few like high schools because there's a bunch of like you know high school art oh, high New school York, in New York, sure. yeah, but like that was art. Yeah. But only two schools had comic book programs. It was art design and Laguardia. And I went to art and design because, you know, the LaGuardia program at the time, we're talking 1986, wasn't as strong. It's much stronger now. Okay. And, but again, you know, we didn't have RISD or SCAD. The only two schools that you go to were SVA and the Kubert School for comics in the early 90s. And really? then after okay. that, that's when, like, the, there were graphic novel programs all over the place okay. afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so when I was at art and design, city of school... Like they did an uh, orientation, and you had you could get you could apply for Marvel, you could apply for DC, and you could apply for King Features, which is a syndicator. And I went to the I went to the Marvel uh, interview, and Marvel at the time was very it was very corporate and yeah, like yeah, all the yeah. office like all these glass offices and everything was very really? clean yeah. okay. and everything. And I went to the DC. I went to my interview at DC, and the place was a mess. There was people running around, and then there's papers flying all over the place. And I'm like, I'm home. It was like the Daily yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was very. Actually, I'll tell, I'll tell you a quick story. I, you know, I go for my interview, and I'm sitting in the lobby, in the reception area at the lobby. I'm being, you know, I'm, you know, how much? I was uh, 16, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm very quiet. And I see a guy out of the corner reading a newspaper and something just feels off and I look over and you know I scared the fuck out I was like what the fuck you know and it was a set they used to have this statue of Clark Kent reading a copy of the Daily really? Planet <laughs> <laughs> that's so, great yeah. so yeah so I I, I did uh, you know when I did, was doing my internship this was 1990 and this was when uh, Keith Giffen and Mark DeMattis 
and Kevin McGuire and Adam Hughes were doing Justice League, so I used to hang okay, out yeah. with Andy Helfer and uh, Kevin Dooley, who were the editors yeah. on the book. I used to hang out in their office. And Andy was, there was always music playing, and Andy wouldn't even walk into the office until like one in the afternoon. But he worked till like nine o'clock at night. Okay. And everybody was chain smoking, <laughs> hanging out, and oh, listening to 90s. music. And yeah, 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 you know, it was, it was fun. You hear they're making a crow movie? Oh my God, yeah, no, that's exactly what it was, that's exactly what it was like. What like, the hell's going on? You know, and you, you know, and it was great. You're like, you're 17 years old, you're hanging out at the DC oh, off wow, this, man. you know, Dick Giordano because I used to wear this fedora every day, you know. Yeah, yeah. And Mr. and uh, Dick Giordano used to refer to me as Mr. Hat. Like, <laughs> he couldn't remember my name. He's like, "Hey, Mr. Hat." Like, <laughs> well, that reminds me, uh, Tom Cook, who's down there, yeah, uh, yeah. filmation artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I interviewed him last year. And, you know, I'm asking about He-Man and all this because I was a He-Man freak, right, right? right, right. And instead, he goes into a story of interning for Jack Kirby. And I'm just like, whoa, where did this interview just go? Right. What the hell's happened? He's like, and I learned this from Jack and that oh, yeah. from Jack and blah, blah, blah. I was just like, oh, you awesome? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where, like, because Keith Giffen would come into the office every week. So I got to be really close with Keith. And Keith, I, I kind of consider Keith a mentor. Like, anything that I know about laying out comic pages, I picked up from Keith. That's awesome. Yeah, because he, you know, and he always, the first hey, thing. Sorry, how's it going? You heard of the union? They're actually doing their last show on uh, September 14th at the Rock Pile, because he's going to concentrate on comics exclusive, but uh, it's a really good show if you're into the wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, Keith kind of became a mentor to me, you know. And I remember, because we worked on 52 together. Okay. And I hadn't seen him for a while. So he comes up to me at a show after I signed on to do 52. And he's like, what did I always tell you? Never volunteer. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, how else was I going to get to work with you? I I told you, don't volunteer for this stuff. But you know, but yeah. it, it was cool. But that's that's how I met Keith, and that's how I met Kevin McGuire. That's amazing. And that's how I met Mignola. What a start. Yeah, you I know, met him here last year. I got mm-hmm. to interview Mignola, yeah. and uh, total nice guy. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But he was so quiet back then. Like he's this was still, before. He was still kind of yeah, quiet you know, he was very nice and talkative, but oh no, quiet absolutely, and, absolutely. Know, yeah, but yeah, again, yeah. I think he was working on Iron Wolf at the time, okay. and like he had just finished Cosmic Odyssey. Right. So I got to see those pages wow. when they were coming. Like, well, that's what's funny. My buddy here, Derek of Drunk on Comics, uh, he's from Michigan, yeah. with Stegman. So he, he, you know, he kind of knows Stegman. They've hung right. out a bunch, right. and uh, he just bought three copies of what's coming out in humans number mm-hmm. four right. and his brand new character reader that he's having in there so he was just like a little boy because <laughs> originally he's like look that's a new character right, no one's right. even saying that's <laughs> fucking awesome man that's exciting so you still got ties you still doing any work for uh dc or? um not at the moment i'm just you know no, the no bridges is burned or nothing no though, no no or, bridges burned i've good. just been like super busy like the last couple of years between even like Without Molly, like, cause Molly working on Molly took up like a good nine months yeah. of the year, and then you know just working for IDW and working for Dark Horse and doing you know working for Zenoscope and all these yeah, other publishers yeah. has just been, and then doing the you know the Action Lab thing, not now, just as a creator but 
as right. you know, the marketing director at Action Lab. And it was just oh, really? Been, yeah. Your marketing director? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, God. I, you're a fucking busy man. I know. Man. You're yeah. got a lot of hats on your head, Mr. I, tr- I try. I try. <laughs> now, Dark Horse, maybe yeah. you can help me understand. Okay. Because you're doing how many issue series? I is did it? a yeah, uh, six-issue Terminator mini Okay. Series. Now... They drive me crazy. In right. one way, I'm going to miss them not having Star Wars right. because I'm, I was always a huge EU fan. That's right, my right, favorite right. part of it. You know, I've got most Dark Horse Star Wars comics. and uh, But it was a very, very, very difficult thing to collect because it would be like Darth Vader 1 through 3. Darth Vader and the Whispers of the Force, right, eight through six. Right. But then it's constantly they're jumping around. They'll do like two parts. They'll do a part one and a part two, and then you won't see three and four till like a year and a half later. And I was never able to keep it straight. Still right. to this day, it's hard to keep straight. Right. Why the hell did they do it like that? It's not done on purpose. It's clearly not done. Lazy, like not no, it's their not. Issues no, in, it's like, not. Oh, we're it, bored with this four issue miniseries. Let's start another three. No, over sometimes here. it's not even laziness. Sometimes. It really is like the Terminator, like the Terminator miniseries that I've worked on, is late. Okay, but it's not due to anything else except we started late. Yeah, we try to keep up with the schedule. Comic books take a long time to produce. Now you did the whole series done I, though. Yeah, like, it's almost done. I'm working so on the last. So it can come out it, six months or six weeks in a row. Right, well, no, the do. first four issues, issue five is coming out this Wednesday. Coming up. So the first four are already out. The, the first four are already out. Okay. And I'm working on it. I'm finishing issue six now, but between my, you know, again, you say you meet me, Mr. Yeah. Busy with multiple hats. Between yeah, yeah. my traveling for, you know, for Action Lab and going to retailer shows and going to conventions, and then for myself as a creator setting up at conventions, you know, it's just, and then the book starting late. You know, schedule-wise, because I was busy with other One stuff. Big rolls into yeah, the exactly. Yeah, you yeah. don't. You never. You know, ninety percent of the time when things like this happen, it's not due to anybody's inability. I mean, I know there's the old jokes from the '90s about guys just spending all their times playing video games <laughs> and not, you know, doing pages, especially like the image guys, you know, yeah. back in the day. But a lot of times, it's just the schedule gets away from you. A comic book doesn't. T- it doesn't take a month. To produce a comic book, it takes three months to produce right. a single issue. If you're working on a monthly comic book, because it, it goes through multiple hands. It almost felt like they were getting ahead of themselves to where their artists could even like were, would, in my mind, have been confused. You know? Right. Because they had so many of but, these but four to also, six issue series. But also on it's fucking nuts. Yeah, but also when you think about it this way, when you're working on licensed material, there are also multiple hands that require approval for things. So sometimes the licensor could be late. I've never done anything for Lucasfilm, so I don't know, like, what the situation is in terms of it is the return on my... There. I yeah. interviewed uh, Joe Caroni. Yeah. You're you know, familiar with him. It's uh, Motor City. And uh, he kind of explained it to me how there's so many different arms, you know, because, like, yeah. he doesn't... He didn't work for Lucasfilm. He right. worked for LucasArts. Right. And then LucasArts went away, and then he didn't work for Lucasfilm. Right. And then it, there was just all this jumbling. Oh, and absolutely. he often didn't even know who to, like... Someone would call him and say, draw us this. 
and then he wouldn't know that he'd call back, they'd be gone. He wouldn't know who to give right, it to. You know? Right, just like right. The madness of no, Disney. No, that, that is, yeah. well, it's not just the madness of Disney. That's just the madness big corp, I should of say. Cor- a yeah. big corp yeah. and working on licensed material. Yeah. There, there is a lot of that because they want to make sure that you're representing their product well. And yeah. even if it's somebody who's going to give you a little bit of latitude on what you're working on, there's you know a certain amount of control and it, it, it changes from company to company there are other companies that feel like they have to have something to say okay. about whatever it is I had that situation years ago with uh, scholastic yeah. where we were doing these sort of classics illustrated style books for them okay cool and the amount of editors that these books had to go through, was ridiculous. Oh, it was really? absolutely insane. For Scholastic? For Scholastic, yeah, yeah, because they have, especially for the children's book stuff, because they have guidelines, or at least at the time they had these guidelines that we never even saw a copy of the guidelines <laughs> until well into working on the project. And according to their own guidelines, when we finally got them, we shouldn't have been doing half the stuff that we were doing. <laughs> so, you know, editorial by committee is difficult. It's extremely difficult. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine so. That must have been fun, though, Scholastic. Yeah, it was. How excited did you get as a kid when the book would come in at school and you get to order your fucking That's books? True. And That's true. That's true. And they'd have the little show and everything. That was exciting. Well, yeah, you know, you did, you, but it's, you know, there's a difference between having to provide content for the Scholastic reader as opposed to just flipping through yes, the Scholastic reader. Yes. I was having a good And begging your parents for an extra like, couple of quid. And yeah. <laughs> so how did Action Lab come about? Because, uh, you know, there's a fun little thing that's growing here with Action Lab. Oh, yeah. How did you get involved? Um, well, I knew the guys before there was an action lab. Okay. So when I found out that they were doing their first Kickstarter for Fracture, I, I kicked in a couple of shekels. Okay. You know, and I saw what they were doing. I was like, wow, these guys really... Like, this does not look like what you would imagine most indie books look like. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask. So, when uh, I was putting together the Kickstarter for Molly, I knew I wanted to go through another publisher rather than trying to self-publish the book myself. Okay. And just, it's easier to go through another publisher if they already have a diamond account and Hell yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I knew I didn't want to go to Image because then I'd just be another, another like, you know, relatively well-known, you know, comic book artist taking yet another book to Image. Okay. And I didn't think Image would want to do it, Molly, in the format, which is, you know, European-style hardcover, you know, as opposed so to trying to do it So you always had that in mind? Yeah. You were like, I want uh, this to be, this like, is, yeah, the books of my youth? Exactly. Like, yeah, all right, exactly. Cool, so when uh, I was putting together Kickstarter, I immediately went to Action Lab and said, this is what I want to do. Would you guys be interested in doing it with me? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. So... After the book came out, and you know, I, I tabled with them at different shows, and you know, saw how professional they were. I, you know, last year at New York Comic Con, I said, "Hey, listen, is there anything that I could do?" And they were just like, "Well, do you want to be the marketing director?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I have, you know, I have a marketing background, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, even before, yeah, sure. even before yeah, yeah. I got, but even before I got into comics, I worked in advertising and marketing. Right. So, 
Yeah, you ever that, see yourself doing something like that no, before? No, no, not even close. Yeah. I thought my my days of like writing press releases for anybody else except for myself <laughs> were just done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes full circle. It does. Man. It does. It's, it's weird it's how things work thing out. It's growing there though. Absolutely. Like, you know, awesome dudes. Everyone I've met through there, except Shep. You're gonna have to help me then. Okay. Mr. Dave Dwanch. Well, Dave's a dick. But he's he, kind he, of a dick, but he, I don't know him, so I shouldn't say he's a dick. But yeah. I will say that three times I have tweeted at you and said to you, Dave Dwanch, please come be a guest on Elegant Weapon. And yeah. he has, like, enthusiastically been like, fuck yeah, let's fucking do it. Oh, yeah. I am down. Poof. Gone. Well, no. I said, you know, I say <laughs> Can't Dave. Can't get a hold of him no more. I say Dave's a dick. In a loving manner, because Dave would be the first to. Uh, I think he's, 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 he's a busy guy. He, well, you know, he's got a day job also. Like he he works for like a oh, major liquor distributor. Okay, I didn't so know that. yeah, so he's just. I and then see. he's doing conventions and he's working. Doesn't on he know how important it is to appear on an elegant web? Yeah, I'm sure he <laughs> does, but he, you know, he's not doing it out of spite. Yeah, okay, it, good. It's, it's, it's nice to know. I will get you. I will find swamped. you, Dave Dwanch. <laughs> I will find you. Exactly. Exactly. I uh, know they when the, when uh, Action Lab first started out a couple of years. Well, I don't know what. How long they've been going? Four years. Uh, this will be year four, so we're moving into year five. So okay, it was about two years ago, yeah. two or three years ago. My buddy has a podcast called The Next element mm-hmm. and that's where i first heard it of action lab because right. he had the guys on and uh, i'm not sure if he, even you were on no it. no this probably is not yeah. yeah but uh yeah he had a, the those guys over there on and uh it was a great interview and they were so excited about fracture oh yeah absolutely. everything happening absolutely. and that's where i had first heard and then all of a sudden molly danger and things just started making right. noise and now now it's happening that's why when Anthony said to me, he's like, actually, I was putting out my book. I was like, fuck you. There's no fucking way that they're putting out your shit. Well, no, but I mean, that's, it worked it's, out well. It's, yeah. a, it's a good, you know, from the inside, it's a lot of work. Right. But as an observer, I mean, the a massive amount of growth that Action Lab has had over the last four years, you don't see a small publisher had that kind of traction no. in four years. Like, yeah. it really is rare. Yeah. You know? And I would stack an Action Lab book up against any book from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, whoever. Yeah. You know? Just in terms of just the, create, the level of creativity, the professionalism, just yeah. everything. That's awesome, know? man. It's, I'm happy to be part of the company. It's got to be yeah. exciting. It Absolutely. is, you know. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not gonna waste my time with a bunch of jackasses who <laughs> don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hook up with guys who know what they're doing, who have experience. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It sounds like a dream. Jamal Eigel, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for, for having me, man. Talking. I really appreciate uh, it. Jay. We'll do it again sometime. Absolutely. And uh, you can hang out if you help us uh, track down that uh, elusive Dave Dwanch. I will hold but, him uh, down. <laughs> I outweigh him by at least 100 pounds, so yeah, it'll be yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Molly Danger from Action Lab. Check it out, kids. Do you have like a website or anything? Yeah, uh, J A M A L I G L E.com or MollyDanger.com or ActionLabComics.com. Do it all. Go yeah, to all absolutely. of it. But uh, it's really fun stuff. And, uh, yeah, do it. All right, on to the next thing. Oh, fuck. What the hell's going on here? Wasn't that super fun? What an awesome dude. Totally awesome dude. I really enjoyed talking to Mr. Jamal. I he's done some cool stuff and what a DC history there. DC boy after my own heart.
Okay, so what happened next? There was heartache. Heartache spread across the Comic-Con as it was heard that Mr. Richard Dreyfus would not attend because he wasn't feeling good and he was sick. But even more heartache spread across the masses as Miss Karen Gillian. Oh, heartache. Matt Smith was there. Rory was there. Arthur Darville, the three of them would have been there, the trio. And uh, she, she didn't make it. I don't know why. She was very sorry. But uh, that was too bad. So that made everybody really, really sad. And they were sad. So, uh, But people got over it because uh, they probably had a good time and spent $1,800 on a photo shoot with the two of them or some kind of shit like that. So I don't know. Um, what else did I do after that? Uh, let me tell you a bit about the sections and how they were this year. Because uh, the Doctor Who Society was absolutely monstrous it was much bigger than it's ever been just massive daleks and they had cool daleks that actually opened up uh and you could see like the organic part the brain party whatever that thing is called inside the daleks head it was really cool setup the way they had it this year uh the doctor who society of canada i didn't get a chance to talk with them this year it was just too busy it was just too damn busy. There was too much going on and too much happening because uh, the Toronto Convention Center is split off into two buildings. And basically the north building is where all the celebrities were, all the big uh, groups like, uh, you know, X-Men of Toronto and uh, <clears throat> X-Men of Toronto and Doctor Who Society of Canada and the Ghostbusters of Ontario and the 501st Legion Canadian garrison. They're all kind of in there. But then they had this new thing that was really weird. And this one, it was a giant game. I can't even remember what the game's called because I totally have game dyslexia when it comes to computer games and stuff. But a uh, big giant setup with two big screens. And all these people in the back of the screens were playing. And then there was a huge audience out front with two commentators who were actually over the loudspeaker. So these guys were like sports commentators doing this whole video game. And it was kind of weird and trippy. And you can see pictures to all of this, by the way. Go to An Elegant Weapon on Facebook. Uh, an Elegant Weapon, the entertainment website it had to be called. Because for some reason there's no podcast fucking label. But whatever. Go find it. It's not An Elegant Weapon the band or music or whoever those new cats on the on the ground are it's an elegant weapon the podcast just you know that because you're listening and it's a podcast <laughs> but anyways the co the cosplay gallery and con gallery photos will all be up there they'll probably also be posted around uh points of interest podcast network.com and all that stuff too so that's points of interest podcast.com but I digress. And also all the horror was on that uh, big. The horror people were able to go crazy this year. And there was lots of actual practical effects going on. You could get your face made and turned into all different sorts of wacky, fantastical creatures by several different booths. And they had lots of cool, cool shit going on. So since everybody got to expand because of the lack of the sports shit, it was laid out really, really, really well. So it was super cool. So that was the North Building. And then you have to make the, the half-mile trek through the fucking Sun Tunnel over to the other building, the South Building, which contained mostly the exhibitors, uh, the giant uh, EB Games-like store, and uh, all the big video game displays for all the new. There was like three or four big main ones in this hall. Then it was all your, uh, you know, the Lego booth was there. There was a 1966 Batmobile and side, or sorry, Bat cycle and sidecar made out of Lego. There, there was life-size Groot and Rocket that was made out of Lego. There was a Batman made out of Lego. 
It was so, so super cool. Uh, there was also a Star Wars booth for Star Wars Rebels. Uh, Hasbro, they always have their big booth there. So Hasbro had their section, and a section of it was uh, was Hasbro's. And guess what, kids? They had a new lightsaber that's coming. It's uh, double-bladed and red, like, lights, like uh, Darth Maul's. I think it must be the Inquisitor's. But it's got the spinny cycle handle in the middle. So it's got like a circle and a handle in the middle, and you can spin it around and stuff, so it's kind of weird. But it uh, just means that uh, my collection increases, it grows. And I'm very, very excited to be able to purchase brand new lightsabers. So, yay for Jay. So, that's kind of what the layout was there, and then of course the food courts, and the monstrosity that was Artist Sally. It was just immense this year. Uh, I was hanging out uh, one of the afternoons, I think it was Friday afternoon, I was hanging out after I was talking to Jamal at one point, I was talking to Anthony Ruckgazer, and here is what happened then. I got a bad feeling about this. Fan Expo Day 2, Anthony Ruckgazer you want it's maddening in here <laughs> it's actually calmed out a little but what a maddening day oh quarter after five start it'll start to slow down close at seven o'clock today oh yeah tomorrow yeah tomorrow will be, will be crazy gang busters it's been a fun day though yes seem to be people seem to be having what have you fun seen? what have you seen wandering Ah, uh, a lot of good cosplay this year. Not as much as I'm sure there'll be tomorrow. Cosplay. But dude, this artist alley is so immense. You can just spend a day just walking around it. R2 just went off in my pocket, kids. What does that mean? Hitting, what does that mean? I don't know. If you say, okay, it might not. We are leaving the hotel and hitting the metro to Union. Now, this is an American texting me. And what do you think they mean by the metro? Does that mean subway? S- subway. Oh, subway. Yes. Subway. That would make sense. Yes. The metro. It's cute. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> foreigners. How was business today? Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Sold yeah. a few books. Yeah. That's good. So on down. When Jamal gets back, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go wander. Booyah. It's a good time. It's mellowed out a bit. Yeah, I wanna I wanna do a little wandering before uh, before the show closes today. How long we got? What time is it? Five, an hour and a half. Yeah. Damn. I'm gonna come in super early tomorrow. Take fun pictures without people here and stuff. Have you been over to the other side yet? What North, North building? building? I've been through it, but I haven't been like I've cut through there to get places, but I haven't looked at anything. Oh my there. god, it's a party going on over there. Ah. It is. It's a big old party. Cut them loose. Let them drift out to sea. Ken Lashley's PR man. He's, he's causing some havoc over there. What's going on? You need a you need a media assassin. <laughs> yes, you do. There goes Lauren. Media assassin. Harry Allen. You don't remember Harry, Harry Allen? Harry Allen. What? Harry Allen know. was the was Public Enemy's uh, PR guy. They called him their media assassin. Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. They mention him in, in songs all the time. Next message. Chuck, hi, it's Harry Allen here. I just got your message regarding uh, the musician article, and I'm glad you read it, and I'm glad you get it. Um, just a couple of things. I think, one, these are issues that are, that are increasingly pertinent. It's kind of like a situation where the technology is changing, the way people use 
information is changing, how they get information, only the options available to you. Um, and the music industry is shoring up. That is to say, the people like Alan Feller, probably been the most vocal about these issues, they're making sure that they are ahead of the technological and legal curve so that by the time anyone in the general public, whether it be Q-Tip, yourself, Bruce uh, Springsteen, George Michael, knows what's going on and sees how the whole process is going towards decentralization. Uh, that is to say, you don't have monopolies on it anymore because the equipment to do it will be available to anybody, just the same way that the equipment to make a hip-hop record is available to anybody, and a hit can come from any direction. I think what the music company is trying to do is um, make sure that legally and financially and in terms of information that they own or are ahead of the curve so that by the time everyone, everyone else catches on, by the time everyone else catches on, they'll already own enough to make sure you still have to play their game. Anthony Rodriguez-a. Thanks again, Anthony. You're a very, very good friend. Thanks for hooking me up with the guest pass and all that kind of stuff. It was super, super groovy. Uh, can't thank you enough. It just made the weekend an absolute joy. So, uh, we continue on. We continue on. Uh, I'm going to backtrack us. I'm going to backtrack us around all the way back over to the to the north building uh, for our final conversation of the evening. The final conversation of the evening uh, comes from the fist. Vader's fist the 501st legion canadian garrison oh my goodness kids did they take it up a level this year please check out the pictures on an elegant weapons facebook page just to see the effort that these guys put in they built like a four wall set like outer sets like all the way around like their giant area was just set walls and you could get your picture taken with so many droids and people and so many various things uh, they had it set up really, really, really well. I also, on the Saturday, got to witness, uh, I got a lot of pictures of actually the prep for the actual official photo for the 501 uh, and all the setup and all the cute little adorable Padawans in their Jawa outfits. It was really, really cool. So check that stuff out. But uh, I got to have a chat. I got to have a chat with Phil. Phil is uh he was the voice of the day i guess uh he, he was doing the talking i went over i said who's gonna talk to me and they got this one guy said hey let's see this guy over here phil he's gonna talk to you and i was like okay phil let's let's talk it's a little bit loud because of the impressive display at times there's quite a bit of fanfare but uh you can still hear us but it's a con episode what do you want for nothing rubber biscuits the 501st check it out This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Let's begin now. So especially with the opening of the two buildings, it's just given you guys a chance to expand like this, and yep. you guys have gone nuts. This is insane. Yes, we have. Like, how much... How? How did this happen? Like, just what? effort-wise, time-wise, people... This is all... The, it started as an idea. It grew into a, a committee to, to, of, uh, of our members that uh, wanted to put all their heads together um, to uh, build something brand new and something bigger and better for the fans. Um, so we did some fundraising amongst ourselves. Everybody, uh, you know, pitched in what they could for donations and time. And uh, this is the result. We put in, like, many, many, many hours. I don't know the exact amount. 
of uh, ours, but um, you know, the, the fruition of it is just a great experience for the fans. So impressive. Like, you guys have absolutely outdone yourselves. I mean, it's like you got a four-walled, four different sets you just, like, put together. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. it's pretty much grown from, like, a backdrop and a stormtrooper. Oh! And we have sound, too. And they got sound. But, yeah, it's pretty much gone from uh, a stormtrooper and a backdrop to this massive exhibit. Like, yeah. it's amazing, the growth. Eh? Yeah, exactly. We, uh, we wanted to... Um, you know, provide different areas that people can do more photo ops, come out and experience all the costumes that we build. Uh, our troopers that are here in costume uh, are doing the blaster range again, which helps us raise money for Make-A-Wish. We even started up a photo booth this year where, you know, you can get a professional quality photo with your favorite characters, as you can hear behind me, maybe. Um, and um, everybody gets to take home a, an 8x10 print that, that they make a donation to Make-A-Wish, and it's all going to help charity. You guys, you guys amaze me year after year. So, like, do you guys keep growing exponentially, like, member-wise? Is it a constant? Maybe we'll give that, uh, just give that <laughs> a, a quick minute. There. Yeah, there you Another go. five minutes, that'll happen again. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, we, we do keep getting uh, more and more members. Um, of course, at events like this is where people find out about us, about our club, about the costumes, and they start to network, and they get, uh, you know, information on where to find stuff, and uh, it just, they get drawn into, you know, the family. Because that's really what it's about. The Canadian Garrison is a huge family. Absolutely. And everybody wants to go and help everybody else on whatever the costume is. So um, whether it's information, whether it's, you know, getting together at someone's house on a weekend for a barbecue and everybody works on their armor, whether it's new armor, whether it's touching up your armor that you have, you just, it, the camaraderie is fantastic. It's got to be like, so it's like a giant bonding experience over it is, like yeah, it's, and the things you love. You yeah, know? definitely. It's a great so family. Where, do you guys like have like a warehouse? Like for something like building all this giant exhibit, do you guys like, how, um, do, you, how do you go about space and stuff? Well, a few of the members uh, donated space to, uh, to construct this uh, in their homes and business. And um, when all is said and done, it's going to be living in my basement after. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I can set it up, though. I don't have that much room. Oh, but wouldn't that be It's nice, got to be stored eh? somewhere. You could just start sticking walls, two walls in your house and just... <laughs> Redecorate, yeah. Uh, excellent. Um, I was at the, uh, the photo thing yesterday when you guys took your annual photo, yeah. which is always an impressive sight. And one thing I caught on was... Uh, you had a bunch of the kids who were as the Jawas, yep. but they couldn't be in one of the official pictures because they didn't have TK numbers. Well, the um, what we do is we do the, the the official 501st and Rebel Legion photo droid builders as well, and so they're all in the photo together. Um, and then uh, we did a couple of separate ones later on where we had uh, we actually raffled off two photos where. Um, People bought tickets, uh, money went to, to make a wish, and they got their chance to be in our group photo, which has never happened before. It's That's only why members. Those two girls yeah. and the, uh, the boy were That's there. right, yeah. Okay. So um, they helped us raise money for make a wish, which was fantastic. And, uh, you know, they, they got a chance to take home a, uh, a photo print of, uh, of that group photo. And nobody, nobody in the public ever gets to do that. Yeah, so that never. was something new this year. Yeah. Um, and then what we do is we'll have our honorary members step into the photo um, and the guests that we have here and Star Wars guests that are, that are in. Uh, and uh, as well, the, at the end, the last photo we took was um, all the little kids that have come out in the Jawa costumes That's and little adorable. troopers <laughs> and uh, our handlers as well. That it, it's, it's kind of a thank you for them to help, you know, because they're helping us get to these locations. Right. All the extra people that are 
you know the uh, uh, the girlfriends and, and husbands and, and uh, friends system. or yeah the support yeah, system you know yeah. because we need those non-costume people to help us get through the crowds and so those, they get to come in they get to be part of the photo and you know when when the photos are ready and printed then they can take one home too I love how uh, the imperial officers on the outside actually kind of get to do their job a little and actually get to it's impressive seeing them when they're standing keeping the crowds behind the yellow line and stuff. yeah 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 it's an impressive so I saw uh, there was an older gentleman okay. not in costume to the side right you seemed uh, special in some way there we, yesterday we uh, we were happy to have um, Garrick um, Garrick Hagen who was big dark light oh. big dark star sorry I'm, I'm bad with the uh, rebel names dark lighter dark yeah. lighter there you go um, he uh, he was our guest at the booth yesterday and he was signing autographs uh, for any Star Wars fans that came by and so as an honorary member to the 501st he uh, he came down to um, uh, being a part of our photo. Okay, um, that's who he was. As well, we had um, uh, the the 501st Legion founding uh, uh, the the founder of the 501st Legion, Alvin Johnson. Okay. And uh, so he was there um, and uh, came into our photo as well. And and he's thoroughly impressed, of course, of, with everything the Canadian garrison has, well, has put together. So. Not be. I mean, yeah. It's it's quite an impressive sight. Yeah. Um. But you guys also, you guys do a lot of intermingling with like other societies and stuff. Like, don't a lot of the R2 builders kind of cross over into the Dalek builders type thing? Like, um. I I'm not sure about that. I know that you know we have a lot of R2 builders that also are 501st members, and some of them yeah. are Rebel Legion members. Uh, there are some that uh, that do have uh, you know other passions for other yeah, yeah, other costuming yeah. groups or other you know societies like that yeah so it's you know more than merrier exactly it's, it's yeah. fantastic it's yeah. uh it's super cool um do you ever see the mandalorians kind of moving in because i know they've been growing their their own whole group thing there yeah i'm not i'm not too familiar with how their organization works but uh they do come out to some of these events and uh oh you haven't in canada they've attended I, a few I, things, i've or? seen some mandos oh, yeah? walking around i'm not oh, sure okay, how uh, okay organized they are here but i know down in the states they do have a uh, similar organization uh right, you know right. like the 501st and rebel legion well i've talked to i've talked to you guys every year that i'm here i talked to somebody and then i was down in may in uh, motor city for okay. motor city con yeah yeah and they had a really nice setup the 501 there they built a tauntaun oh cool and they had a full-on full life-size tauntaun and then they built uh wasn't quite to this scale you know a lower con but they built a scrapyard Okay. Which was cool. So they did like a set, and it was just like Star Wars scrap pieces. It was almost like the Jabba Junk uh, room, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And different uh, garrisons that put different things together. There's, uh, I've seen, um, you know, the the Emperor's chair. We've seen um, that was here. A few we years had the Emperor's ago. chair that last was, year. Yeah, that was a big deal. I got my picture in there. Yeah, that, that, that was, was a lot of fun. We actually had uh, uh, the Emperor sign the chair. So that's right. I remember that. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, other other sets that have been built. Uh, the uh, the bunker from Endor with the biker scout um, uh, speeder bike in front of it. Uh, this is different garrisons that have made these. Oh, and, okay, uh, all right. The trash compactor, and they're great oh, photo really? op areas where yeah. people can interact with them, and that's one of the major things that we like to do with our booths, with our setups, is have the fans be part of it, to live as, or be almost as if they're in the Star oh, Wars sure. you know, saga. Well, you guys have taken a certain responsibility upon yourselves. Um, you know, when, you, when you're like, okay, we're going to represent Star Wars at Comic-Cons, that's, that's a big... You know, thing to put on your plate. Yeah, so, well, you, know, you guys have stepped it up, though. It's yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, we pride ourselves in having screen accurate costumes, right? That's of that's course. the main thing about the Bible first. Yeah, and you know the camaraderie as well. But it, it, when we build something like this, we want to do it right. We want to make sure that it's going to look great. Of course, it's uh, it's what you guys do. That was really cool when I was talking to Roy at that interview. Uh, 
that's mainly what we talked about because I wanted to learn about the process of just making your costume and what it goes into it. And it was nice because I can't remember the other gentleman's name, but right as we're talking, another guy came up for advice and he's like, oh, I got my helmet and he pulled it out and he's like, but I, I don't know if I did this, yeah. this and right. And it's just the sharing and, exactly. you know, teaching each other. It's can, awesome stuff. You can be, you know, a new recruit. You can be someone that's been in, this, in the, uh, the 501st for many years and there might be something that you're just not sure how to do and you just have to ask the question whether it's within our own garrison or on forums and in facebook and someone in the community will say well here's what you do yeah. and they'll, they'll walk you through it my first costume that i built which was uh, uh captain rex from um uh, star wars the clone wars episode so one fairly three. Recent in, recently I'm, involved i'm then. four years in so okay. this is my fourth year now or starting my fifth wherever the however that works um this the the, the animated costumes had never been done in Canada before. Okay. And so I had been to Fan Expo, I had met the guys in the 501st, but none of them knew how to make it. So I reached out to all the guys that were making it down in the States, and the help that I got online and whatnot, and questions and answers, and it was fantastic. And it, and it really was, you know, that community, that costuming community that helped make, you know, the costume as what yeah, it is you know yeah, yeah. and I get tons of compliments on it and I'm like really this is my first costume I, I don't know you know I was never never built anything before that's amazing so, man yeah. good on you that's awesome right it's uh it's super cool stuff so uh as far as what's coming up with uh, charity wise because that's what you guys do it's bad guys uh, you know helping good guys so yeah well we uh we are always helping out oh there's the fanfare oh, oh, again that, that was perfectly timed look at this crowd you got going people are just yeah. loving the R2s they are they are the um, well, the, the charity aspect—it's—it's it's anything that we go out to. We pretty much have some sort of charity component to it. If we're raising the money at a booth, even if it's a small toy con, I wait for the fanfare. Yep, give it a minute, kids. Enjoy it for a sec. And there we go. <laughs> um, yeah. So even if we go to a small toy con or something like that, we usually have a little box there with a Make a Wish sign on it, or we'll help out, uh, you know, Autism Spectrum, or we'll help out the Alzheimer's Society, and. In, in either a, a monies that we've raised or a direct donation from a, a corporation to okay. a charitable group, right. that's the way we're raising the money. Right. That's 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 incredible stuff. I got one more question sure. because I have to get the answer from the authority. <laughs> what is the word on the street in the 501 about the new Stormtrooper helmet we've all seen? <laughs> well, I don't know if there's anything official from the 501st apart from that we're really excited that there is going to be more armor to build. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the same way. I'm a big lightsaber collector, and uh, that started to peter off. Uh, you know, when they weren't coming out, they make a certain amount and they're done. And uh, I was at the Rebels booth. They got the Rebels booth yep. in the other building, and they've got uh, a, a new saber that's coming out, a new double blade. That's right. Yeah. And I'm so excited. The, uh, it just means more. Yeah, yeah, his blade. Yeah. So it just means more, and I'm just so exactly. stoked about that. More and more is good, and uh, yeah, can't wait to. You know, look forward to seeing it come, and I love that it's got the old Macquarie look to it. It's yeah. very streamlined, exactly, and yeah. it's yeah. sick. Um, Phil, thank you very much for taking no the time to talk with us. Uh, we greatly appreciate what you do here at the 501st. Uh, cheers. Thank you for all your charity work and what you do for the community in Canada. Sure. It's fantastic stuff. So. Excellent. Yeah, look us up online, 501st.ca, 501st.com. You want to find out anything about the Legion, that's where you can go. Fantastic. Thank you very much, sir.
Kids. That's how that went down. Uh, they're good people over there at the 501. Uh, that's it. That's it for part one. That's not it for it all, but that's only it for part one. Part one of our fan expo adventure extravaganza. I'll try to roll it off in a couple days, but I'm going to give you a few days to soak this one in. Let the world absorb the guerrilla warfare of an elegant weapon fan expo. So, uh, coming to you next episode. The next episode, part two. Oh, by the way, I gotta end this with something. Speaking of the Doctor Who Society, because in the two weeks that all this has been going on, uh, of course, the new Doctor Who aired. And just quickly, to give my two cents on the Doctor Who, uh, we're very Whovistic around here, is uh, the first episode I honestly found to be very mediocre. Uh, I found Capaldi and I found Coleman. I think it was Coleman's best performance uh, ever, yet, still in the series. She did fantastic, and Capaldi was brilliant. All the acting was very well. I just thought the script itself was kind of a mediocre episode. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. Uh, it was too much of a vehicle, you know? It didn't really do anything. Second episode, I really, 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 really enjoyed. Uh, Inside the Dalek, or Into the Dalek, or whatever it was called, or Into Evil, or whatever it was, was great. Fantastic episode. That laid things out well for this doctor. And uh, I liked how I really liked how all that went down. This is going interesting places. It's nice to see him get slapped once in a while. So, uh, really, 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 really. I got out of the second episode what I wanted out of the first. So, I'm very, very excited to see where we go. Bravo, Peter Capaldi. Bravo, Jenna Coleman. You just. You, you really stepped it up. And uh, I think this is uh, more fitting for her. She always just had to live the nice life with Matt Smith. But now she's, she's really got to, you know. She's really got to put something in, so it's uh, really cool to see. So that's what happened. Coming at you soon. Next episode. Part two of our Fan Expo extravaganza. It will be featuring more from uh, a little tiny bit more. Derek pops in once or twice from uh, Drunk on Comics there. Uh, then we get some. Uh, we get into the meat of some conversations. We have some conversations with the boys from Michigan, Tony Maiello, Jay, Jay Cott, Jay Foskett, and uh, Ted Woods. We get into chatting with those guys after a very exciting Saturday night, which I'll tell you about the next episode. We also feature guests with uh, the fantastic regular good friend of ours, Mr. Sean Daly. We have a great chat with Mr. Sean Daly, seandaly.ca. Uh, we also have a great conversation with the uh, Action Lab. The f uh, I believe it's Chad from over at Action Lab. We have a great talk with what they've got going on, where they've come from, and where they hope to go. All those really classic fucking things. Uh, we also have a little bit of a cross pod, a mini cross pod, as I discovered the only other posca, uh, posca, podcast there. D and DUI. Yep. Fantastic. They drink and they game and they uh, they do a lot of both. So it comes together nicely from what it sounds. I'm very interested to check them out. Uh, who else do we talk to? We also talk to uh, Pat Davidson, who is a Canadian-born, now living in the Massachusetts area, inker artist. And he's really, really cool and really awesome. And uh, he's part of the good times that we'll tell you about from Saturday night. And another man who uh, was really good times and part of Saturday night. Uh, we did, in fact, speak to on Sunday. And yes, finally, we shoved Drunk on Comics out of the picture. And we got Mr. Ryan Stegman all to myself. 
all to myself do I sit and I talk to the Ryan Stegman. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, that's how that goes. And, of course, you know, we round it all off with our favorite sparkle girl. And, uh, you know, we have to say goodnight and goodbye with her. So that's what's going to happen on part two. I hope you enjoyed part one as much as I enjoyed living it. Make comics, make cosplay, make cons, make pod. That's all I got for this week on An Elegant Weapon, kids. Take it easy.